Forgiveness is really admitting I need more of Jesus. That's what it does. When you feel like you're too good to say, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me, I am a sinner, then something's wrong, amen? You're blocking the way for Jesus to come in and really work in your life. You always should be in a place and say, God, I'm sorry, amen? God, I'm sorry. And so when you open up the door, you have to continue to grow the anointing by seeking the greatest reward. And the greatest reward is when the presence of God becomes centered in your environment. And that environment grows around you. It becomes stronger. It becomes thicker. It becomes noticeable wherever you go. Amen? There was a, a story in the Bible, Paul and Silas. I didn't want to talk about Paul and Silas. But God says, go back to Paul and Silas because it has a lot to do with the environment. Amen? So we're going to look at that today. So the first time hearing about Christ, your response is, I want him, right? I want him. I, I need to know I need to have him in my life. My life is chaos, and I need his presence. I need his environment around me, right? Because what I'm doing, my environment is messed up. My mind is messed up. My situation is messed up. I need the presence of God sitting in my life. This world will keep you from realizing the greatest reward is God. It will keep you from realizing the greatest thing ever is to step into the presence of God. Everybody, everywhere, all the TV channels is going to tell you the greatest thing and their greatest reward is a brand new car. The greatest reward is a brand new house. The greatest reward is to be with a, a, a fine, young-looking lady. The greatest reward is to find a fine, young-looking, handsome man. The greatest reward is this. The greatest reward is that. The world is going to lead you everywhere else until you realize that being in the presence of God is the greatest place to be. But you will find yourself going through chaos, torment, all of this stuff until you realize, wait a minute, I need to get into the presence of God. And I need to grow and strengthen that presence. Amen? Because I want him closer to me. What the enemy tries to do, he's trying to tamper with your loyalty to God. He's trying to tamper that relationship. Amen? He's trying to tamper that relationship, that loyalty to God. Let's look at James. Let's look at James chapter 4 and verse 8. James chapter 4, starting at verse 8. It says, draw near to God. What does that say up there? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What is God telling us? Draw near to God, and I will draw near to you. God wants to be in your presence. But God wants to see, do you want me? Because when I come, I'm bringing it. I'm not holding back nothing. I'm not holding back no peace. I'm not holding back no joy. If you want me, I'm coming and I'm bringing it. Amen? I'm not going to come half-stepping. I'm not coming 99 and a half. God says, when I come, I'm bringing the boatload. I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven. I'm bringing it all, and I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it. 
But are you willing to draw near to me because I'm, I'm all in. God says, I'm all in. I'm coming. And I'm going to bring the presence of myself. I'm going to bring the presence of God, the presence of God within your environment. But he says, cleanse your hands. Would you eat with dirt all over your hands? After you just got done using the bathroom? That's gross. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to paint the picture. Huh? Would you eat your food that way? Sometimes I'm sitting down, I'm like, you know what? I got Sometimes I'm sitting down and uh, getting ready to eat or getting ready to uh, eat a meal and and, and Laura's the same way. We're sitting down, and then I start thinking about what my hands been. I'm like, man, I was at Walmart touching that cart. Amen. Everybody touched that cart. Snotty nose kids touched that cart. <laughs> and so I was like, I gotta wash my hands before I eat, before I put anything in my body. God saying, cleanse your hands. Don't come to me. It don't come. Repent this. Repent. Say you're sorry and come to me with clean hands. Realize your hands is dirty and say, God, wash me up. Cleanse me. Some of us raising our hands with dirty hands and not asking God to forgive us for our sins. And we're waving our hands and we're staying filthy and not realizing where we are and saying, God, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Let me go wash my hands and say, I'm sorry. I repent. Wash me. Cleanse me so you can come close to me, so your presence can be in my environment. Then he talks about purify your hearts, you double-minded. What I'm saying is where is your loyalty line? You're saying you're with God, and then, then you go around and saying that, uh, let me put it this way. Maybe y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, some of y'all won't. Maybe one time you can preach a good funeral and sing Amazing Grace at the end, and then the next day you're saying, go homosexuality, I'm a power for it, I approve it, I'm with it. Where does your loyalty lie? I'm not talking about nobody. I'm just telling the truth. They said it. Where does your loyalty lie? Double-minded. Where are you? Who do you serve? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 4. Let's look at the loyalty. Let's look at being cleansed. Let's look at, listen, I want to be right. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying for of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Abel and Cain, Abel gave a sacrifice to God, but it was out of his, the love of his heart. 
Abel gave a sacrifice to God because he wanted a relationship with God and he wanted God's presence to be near him. He had a desire to be in his presence. But Cain gave a sacrifice to God because he felt like he was forced to and he just did it anyway. And I'm just going to do this because I feel like I have to do it. And so I'm going to sit here and I'm going to give my offering, but I don't really want to give it. So he didn't give his best because he truly didn't want the presence of God to be around him. He must not have wanted it to but Abel on the other hand said I'm giving this out of the gut of my heart I'm giving this so I so let you know God I love you and I want to give you everything I am I want to be in your presence daily God I want to give you the best of who I am I want to give you the best of who I am And because he gave the best of who he am, even though Abel died, God still testifies of the gift and the People still talking about your connection with Jesus Christ. People still touch because of your relationship with the Lord. People still healed. People still delivered. Why? Because you stood tall. You stayed in Christ. You stayed connected. You gave 100 because of what you did. People can still testify and God can still testify. Remember so and so they dead now. But remember the seed that they planted in your life. Remember so and so they dead now but they stayed with the Lord. Look what God has brought them through. Look at the change they had made in their life. Remember so and so. Remember Sister Cole, she was out there in the streets. People scouted her out, but Sister Cole stayed with God, and she died, and her life is still a testimony. Her life is still a testimony of what God can bring you through. Her children can testify right now that my mama found Jesus Christ. She was a mess, but now it's still testified because her environment changed. God's presence was over her life, and it affected everyone around her. The environment. The environment. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And was not found because God has taken him. This is the relationship because of the relationship and the environment of God was so close to Enoch. Because God, this is the, this is the thing, is relationship takes you into an environment where God comes near to you. When you want God, he will come near to you. And so Enoch, because he wanted God, he talked to God every day. He walked and he talked with God. God, what's going on? How you doing? I know, I know Adam's sin. I know this is and I know God, but I want to be with you. I, I want to know who you are. God, help me be. And God just talked to Enoch and they walked together. God was so close to Enoch. God was so close to Enoch that Enoch right, walked right up into heaven. He's like, how did I get up here? Because I was so close to you, I was so near to you because you wanted a relationship with me. I was so close to you that I just let you walk right up with me. The environment, his environment has changed because God was so close to Enoch that his environment became heaven. He took him right up. For before he was taken, he had his testimony that he pleased God. What was his testimony? What was his testimony? That he did what? He pleased God. That was his testimony. That's why his environment changed. Because he pleased God and God wanted to be near him. 
he was 100. Amen? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Keep seeking Jesus. He is a rewarder of those who diligently, diligently is saying, I'm going to keep on this path no matter what affects my life, no matter what tries to shake me. I'm going to keep walking and seeking your face. And what is the reward when you seek his face is that his presence begin to land around you. His presence begin to surround you and enclose you and hold you and keep you and give you the peace and the love that you need. So the situation doesn't seem as bad as it seems. It doesn't look like what it looks like. Why? Because you're in the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, guess what? It don't look too bad. Seek him diligently and your reward is that God will come near to you and his presence will consume you. How many of us want his presence to consume you? Y'all want to say, Lord, I got, I want more, I want more. If you want it, please God and watch his presence consume your life. And once his presence consume your life, those things that you're holding on to, those things that have been attacking your mind, those things that you've been here and there and you've been shaking and wavering, those things that you're not quite loyal to, but if you keep pushing your presence to God, God is going to shave off that double-minded stuff and he'll say, I am right here and you're going to be consumed with his presence and you're going to say, yes, this is where I need to be. But you got to keep seeking him. You diligently and you will be rewarded with his presence. Some of y'all need his presence so bad. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. It says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now it's giving us something. It's giving us some things to do is saying pray. Praying is what? Talking to God. Amen? When you talk to God, you are building a relationship. If you talk to anybody enough, you start building a relationship with them. Amen? If I go into the house and never speak to my, once we get married and we just never speak to each other, we're just living together. <laughs> How can a relationship build? Oh, how's your wife doing? I don't know. I don't talk to her. How's your husband doing? I don't know. I don't talk to him. There's no relationship. You don't even know his likes. You don't know his, uh, her dislikes. And now you can't get along. Why? Because you're not talking. You're not communicating. How, how are you supposed to know who your children are if you don't sit down and talk to your children sometimes? Come on, let's go back to the dinner table, saints. Let's go back to the dinner table and sit down and talk at the dinner table. Once in a while, my kids, we get together and say, no, we're going to shut it down and sit at the table. And we're going to talk about some stuff. Amen? That's when you start finding out who your children are and finding out their likes, and then you can start molding them into knowing who Christ is. Amen? You need to sit down with your kids, talking, building a relationship. That's what God wants with us. He's saying, pray, talk to me. Let's build a relationship. I know your struggles. I know your problems. Come talk to me. Let me tell you something because so I can communicate back with you. Talk to me. And a supplication is simply saying, we make your request. What is your request? See, when you start knowing who Christ is, your request is, I want more of you. And when you start saying, I want more of you, God, where? I want more of you, God, in my finances. 
I want more of you, God, in my lifestyle. I want more of you, God, in my decision making. I want more. You're not just, it's not just asking, making your request, just saying, I want this and I want that. I, no, I want more of you, God, in this. I want more of you, Jesus, in that. I want more of you because when you get involved into the environment, when you come down, my situation will change. I need your presence. So more of you, God. Supplication, requesting, and then with thanksgiving, praising God, worshiping God. Hallelujah, I worship you. No matter what, God, I thank you. No matter what, God, I'm going to worship you. No matter what, God, I'm going to praise you. The enemy hates it when you do that. The enemy hates it when your mind is so filled with hate and anger. He wants to fill your mind with so much hate and anger and so much frustration that you can't praise God. But I dare you to praise God. I tell you the truth. If you begin to praise God in the midst of your storm, watch the presence of God just fill you with peace and love and joy. Watch your environment change. Thanksgiving. It says, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God's saying, you need peace, and I can give it to you. I can give you something that surpasses all your understanding. You may, God, I don't know why I'm struggling the way I'm struggling. God, I don't know why I'm going through this. God's saying, just trust me, and I'm going to make sure I'm going to surpass all that understanding, and I will guard your heart, and I will guard your mind through Christ Jesus. Do you trust them to do that? When you begin to trust God to guard your heart and guard your mind from the enemy, he begins, you, you, you're stepping into that anointing and he begins to protect you from those things that are trying to attack your heart and trying to attack your mind, trying to put you in a place of hatred, of anger, of fear, of depression and worry. God is saying, come on, let me get down and let me get in that. Come on, let me get in your presence and watch me work this thing out, but you got to let me in. Do you want me? Do you want me? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be with nobody who don't want me. Do you? What if you're, I, I, I couldn't be with my wife, Sherelle, if she didn't want me. You don't want me? Why, how can I be with you if you don't want me? Jesus saying, you got, do you want me? Come get me and I'll come and I'm coming to you. Jesus sacrificed his life for those who wanted him. He's saying, I, he believed if it's just, Jesus died, Jesus would have died if he just knew that one person would come to him. I, I just believe that one person is going to come if I die, God, I'm going down. I'm going down for that one person. It says, let's look at, um, let's look at Colossians chapter 3. The Lord wants to change the way you see things and what you should seek for. In Colossians 3, in verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Sitting at the right. You need to see Christ. You need to see them things above where Christ is. He's sitting on the right hand of God. Guess what? You have access to the man who can whisper into the power of to the power of uh, to power of God's ear. He's sitting there for you. And so when you start seeking Jesus Christ, who is above, he's sitting by the man that got all power. And he's whispering in the ear, Lord God, 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 I know, I know, I know that 
they messed up yesterday. I know that they didn't go to church. I know, God, I know that they're still teeter-tattering and, you know, they're in and out. They don't really know. But, God, have mercy on them. God, have mercy on them. They're going to come. Jesus is in the ear of God the Almighty saying, God, have I died for them. Come on, God. Keep them. Keep them another day. Keep them a little while longer. Don't let the devil take their life just yet. Come on. God, give them a chance. Jesus is pleading your case. He's pleading your case. God, come on, God, God. God, I know, I know, I know, God. I know, I know. And then, you know what Satan is? Satan is up there too. Satan is up there. See, God, look at him. They ain't trying to change. See, God, but Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. They're changing. I see it. I feel it. They really want me. I, I know that. I know. I know. Something's going to break through. Something's going to happen. And that's why you are here today, because Jesus knew something was going to happen. A breakthrough was going to happen in your life. And you want to say, here I am, God. Save me. That's why you're breathing today. That's why you're living today, because Jesus knows. Jesus is pleading your case. He's pleading our case. Setting your mind on the things above. Keep worshiping Jesus, the one who's pleading your case. Not on the things of this earth. See, what the enemy wants to try to do is get your mind off of Jesus. He wants to do things in your life and affect your life in a way where your mind is not on Christ anymore, where your mind is on all earthly things, disease, uh, health, health issues, uh, your financial situation, your, your husband, your wife, all of this stuff, school, everything. He's trying to get your mind off of Jesus. He's trying to get your mind on these earthly things, and he's trying to say this things and that things, those things are going to satisfy you, and he's trying to keep your mind off of Jesus. But when your mind gets stayed on Jesus, on the things above, Jesus can come now and change your atmosphere. And change your environment. But Satan will try to keep you from Jesus. Amen? And then he says, when Christ, who is our life, appears. Now, I want you to read this. Let's start at when. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's read that together. Everybody with me? Everybody see where I'm at? When Christ, who is our life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, a lot of us times, well, that's when Jesus come back. No, that's talking about right now because the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand right now. So guess what? When Christ, who is our life, appears, when he said it's, it's our life, meaning, man, listen, I'm, listen, Jesus, I'm with you to the end. I'm, I'm going to follow you, God. I'm with you. When he becomes your life, he, become, he appears. And then you will also appear with him in glory. So when it happens, do you not know that Jesus will lift you up in the midst of your trials and tribulation and hold you up as a trophy and say, look at my servant, look what they've been through, look what they have faced, and yet and still they are serving me? Do you not know who they know? They know me, the living God, the most powerful being on earth in the universe. I have took them through the storm and they have made it. Come seek my face. You will appear in glory. When you get through your situation, you're going to look like gold. Appear in glory. Now I want to look at a story, Paul and Silas. It wasn't my intention to talk about Paul and Silas, but God says, go there anyway. So I said, okay. Now Paul and Silas, we're in Acts chapter 16. And now 
I, li- I like to do some visuals, so I'm going to do some visuals today. Amen. So, so don't be uh, afraid if I call you out. Come up here. Amen. So we're in verse 16, chapter 16, verse 16. It says, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. All right. Now, as Paul and Silas went to prayer, now they're trying to do what? Prayer is what? Communication with who? They're coming to communicate with God. They're coming to pray, communicating with God. They're in a city, and they're, and they're communicating with God because God, because when they communicate with God, they know that the word of the Lord is that when they draw near to him, he will draw near to who? Us, right? So they're praying to God. They, they want more of his presence, amen? They're seeking his face. But now you have this girl, okay, the certain slave girl who possessed with a spirit of, uh, of divination, amen, met us, who brought her masters much profit. Now, this, this demon girl, this girl that was possessed with a demon, she was telling the future of the people around her, all right? She was literally telling their future. Now, the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue, but what she, the, the demon was doing was speaking into their life, and once the person accepted, that is their future. I want you to understand today that whatever the demon tries to tell you and you accept it, that will be your future. If you accept that you're a nobody, that you'll never change, and that you're this and that you're that, what, uh, except of what people have told you, guess what? That is going to be your future. And so what this girl was doing, she was speaking into their life, speaking uh, um, devilish things in her life, and that was their future. And he was telling them maybe you had to do this to get it, maybe you had to do that to get it, and they were following these paths that was leading them to death. All right? So you have to be careful of who's speaking in your life. So you need to communicate with God. That's why you need to be on your knees praying because you need to be talking to the right person. Amen? So they were trying to pray and talk to God. And this girl followed Paul and and, and, and Silas and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, what she was trying to do, what this demon would try to do, and what the world would try to do, the world would try to connect herself with the church, all right, somehow in some way. What the world is trying to do is connect themselves with the church so when people that are in the church will say, oh, okay, they're doing the same thing, we can follow up and partner up with them, we can do the same thing the world is doing because the church is involved in the same stuff, amen? Are you with me? So what she was doing is say, oh, these great men, she knew that they were saving, that they were delivering, that people were being set free. She knew that, and she wanted to be a part of that. So, it, hey, if they know that I'm worshiping them, if I'm giving them praise and giving them honor, well, guess what? They're going to still listen to me, too, because I'm saying, the demon is saying, I'm with the Christians, too. I'm with the Christians. Demon saying, I'm with y'all. Huh? The demon is saying, I'm with y'all. That's why, that's why people cannot be double-minded because the demon, what is, what is really double-minded is saying is that the demon is with us. Because I could be in the world and I could be in this. The demon wanted to connect itself with the church. He wanted to be embraced within the environment of God. And see, the thing is, is that once the demon comes in and you allow the demon into the environment, then God can't be there anymore. 
And if they kept, if Paul and Silas just accepted what this girl was saying, that saying they're a part of the church and that we accept this and that we accept her, then God's saying, hey, my hands is out of this. Now we see the church accepting homosexuality. Just got approved, right? So now the churches are in a stance. What are we going to do? There are going to be some churches that stand. And say, no, that is not who we are. We're not a part of that. And there's some churches that are going to say, we accept it. They're going to listen to the demon. And, and, and guess what? The demon is going to praise them for it. The demon is going to say to those churches, they know what love is. Yeah. The demons, the ones that accept homosexuality and marry on the altar, those who are gay and those who are uh, men loving men and women loving women, the demon is going to say, that church know what love is. These other churches don't because they won't let us marry inside their church. And now, and so now it's going to take some pastors to say, no, no, we don't accept that. And then we might have to get arrested. Our sister Stacy had a dream. And she came to me. She said, I had a dream. I said, what was your dream? She said, it was a bad dream. I said, what, I said, what was the dream? She, she said, I had a dream that because you stood up against homosexuality that you were arrested. And she said there were seven pastors. She said there was other pastors that, uh, that accepted it, and there were some pastors that didn't, and they all got arrested. And I said, Sister Stacy, that was a good dream. I said the bad dream would have been if you said I accepted homosexuality and I was married, <laughs> and I was up here marrying two men. That would have been a bad dream. But let me go down for Jesus. Let me go down serving my God. Let me go down giving 100. Let me go down serving the Almighty with all of my heart, with all of my soul. So these men, Paul and Silas, were saying, this can't happen no more. We got to stop this mess. They knew the circumstances. They knew what might happen, but they couldn't take it anymore. So they looked at the demon. Let's, let's, look at, let's go further in the scripture. It says, and this and the, these men are the servants of the Most High. She was lifting them up. And this, she said, did for many days. She did this for many days. But Paul greatly annoyed. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting tired of this demon trying to say they're connected with the church. I'm getting tired of this demon trying to say this is what Jesus is about. I'm getting tired of this demon trying to say this is what Christians are. But I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So now the demon came out. And now they see a church that's standing on their own. Now people are looking at them differently. Now they're not the same Pharisees and Sadducees that may have accepted her praise. See, people like to accept praise and worship. Some praise and worship, you need to say, I rebuke that. I don't want that praise and worship. I get my praise and worship from God when he honors me. You can't accept all this worship here, patting you on the back. Stop that stuff. So they rebuked the Satan there. Jesus came. Jesus said, Jesus, this is not who Jesus is. Come out. Amen. So now, oh, no, everybody knew. Now everybody, they made a stand. Now everybody knew what's going on. Now, now let's go to verse 19. It says, but when the, her master saw that their hope of profit was gone. Oh, no, now you're messing with our money. Now you're messing with the same, now you're messing with the with the mindset of the people. See, when the when the when homosexuality, when they see a church that's standing, there are going to be some homosexuality. There are going to be some people that say, "Look, I do want to change. 
I do want to change. And where are they going to go if all the churches accept it? There are going to be some churches that say, they're going to find churches. I don't want this in my life. I want Jesus in my life. But if the churches don't stand, where will they find now? How can they find true salvation? And so, so, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Now, when the church stands for God and they begin to stand for God, guess what? The city is going to know about it. The city is going to know the church that's standing and the church that's wavering and the church that's playing games. The city is going to know about us, saints. The city is going to know about Greater Grace Temple Church. Why? Because we're going to be out in the community. We're going to be spreading God's love, and we're not going to be accepting things that are not of God. Amen? And so now the city is going to start being known. Now, they're doing a march today uh, at 1130. They're marching downtown. Amen. That doesn't mean we're going to go downtown and say, no, yada, yada, yada. no, we're going to show love and we're going to stand. And when you try to come here, no, we're not a part of that in love. Amen. We're not a part of that. And guess what? It's going to be through our love, not through our hate, not through our anger, but it's going to be through our love that there's going to be some of them that are going to want to change. They're going to say, wait a minute, they, they didn't come down and march against us. They didn't come down and fight us. They, didn't, they just showed us love and just said they're not accepting it. I, you know what? Something inside of me is changing. Something, something inside of me know that this is, something must be different about these guys because there's going to be Christians that's going to hate them, going to want to burn them to the state. And there's going to be Christians that love them and say, listen, you can change. You can be delivered and you can be set free from this. Amen? And so... Just like they were dragged to the marketplace, what's happening is that the devil knows when you make a stand for Jesus, all right? So the devil gets angry, and he's going to try to drag you through trials and tribulations and storms when you come to Christ. So when you come to Christ and say, here I am, Lord, the enemy is getting mad because he's afraid that you will begin to start using the authority that God has given you, all right? There's an authority that he wants to give you. And so when you start accepting Christ, the enemy is scared. And so he's going to try to drag you through the mud. Your past start coming up. Certain stuff start coming around your life. People that you haven't seen in years start coming around, start calling you. He's trying to drag you right back into the world. Amen. So they dragged them to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates and, and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly troubled our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us. Now, as the country changed to what the world wants, listen, we're going to be teaching things that are not law of this country. We're going to be teaching against homosexuality and saying that is wrong, but when the world says and America says it's right. And so they were teaching things that troubled their city. Are you with me? They were teaching things that troubled the city. When you go and you're living a life without drugs and alcohol and you're living a life that's speaking goodness and mercy and love and kindness, you are speaking against the God of this world. You are speaking against the enemy who wants to control the city of Racine. And so when you show love and when you show kindness and when you stretch out your hand and make a stand for Jesus Christ and speak in authority, the enemy is angry because you're speaking against and they teach custom which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. See, the world is going to say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe them. Look what they're doing. Beat them with robes. 
Now, let's take look at this in a spiritual sense. In a spiritual sense, the enemy wants to come in and destroy your mind. He wants to beat you with rods. He wants to destroy everything that God has placed in your hand. He wants to take you out. To say that you are nothing, to say that you can't make it. And so he, he wants to beat you and discourage you and beat your mind and, 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 and say that you can't live this life of Christ. It's too hard. See, they were going through a situation where it's too hard for you to live this life of Christ because you're going to be beaten. You, 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 you're going to have a tore up mind. You're, you, you, nobody's going to like you. Your friends are going to disown you. Amen? And let's go to 16 and 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. They threw them into prison. So now you're at a place in your life. You accepted Christ in your life. You're trying to grow the anointing. You're trying to pray. I see you. You're trying to pray. You're, you're fasting. You're seeking God. You want to do right. You want to change. But yet and still, these things are so strong in your mind. These things are so heavy in your mind. Is it an illness? Is it a situation at home? Is it your finances? Is it your relationship with your family? Whatever it is, it's so heavy on your life. It's so heavy on your mind. And now, can't you see these men? They're beaten. They're discouraged. The enemy is trying to discourage them. They're in jail now. They're in prison. Some of us, the enemy has tried to chain us and imprison us and get us trapped in his lifestyle and looking at the things of the world, getting, looking at the things of the earth. And we're, now we're chained up and we're bonded just like these men. Not only did the, command, the commanding of the jailer to keep them securely, what he did was he, he served their, their charge was so um, so strong, he put them into the inner prison. See, they, they didn't put them on the outskirts of the prison. They put them deep in the. Do you not know Satan wants to chain you up in the inner prisons of your mind? He wants to say nobody with you, nobody cares for you. He wants to chain you up in the prisons of your mind. You are never going to make it. You're never going to succeed. And he wants to chain you in the inner prison. He doesn't even want you to be on the outward prison because guess what? He's afraid that you might find your authority. So he chains you up in the inner prison. He wants to chain you up in the inner prison. Not only that, they fasten their feet in the, in the stocks. They, they, they chain their feet. They chain their hands. They chain them up so they could not move. Satan wants to put you in a place where you cannot move. How can you grow your anointing? How can I seek you, God? How can I get there, God, when the enemy has me in the inner prison and the enemy has my feet chained and the enemy has me all locked up and I'm trying to grow the anointing, I'm trying to get closer, but the enemy has beat me. The enemy has beat me with rods and he has chained me and he's put me in the inner prison and he's chained my feet so I cannot move. He is keeping me all enclosed so I cannot get to where I need to be. So you're saying, how can I grow my anointing? You don't know my situation. You don't know where I'm at right now. You don't know my hardships. The enemy has placed you in the inner prison. But something happened at midnight. The Bible says 
Weeping may endure for a night, but what cometh when? See, the thing is that that has to keep playing in your mind. Every time you're in a situation in your life and you're reaching for God through prayer and supplication, you're, you're praying to God and you're seeking God's face, but yet and still the enemy got you chained up here. He's got you chained up there. He's got you chained up in the inner prisons of your mind. You feel like you can't make it. You feel like you can't overcome and you feel like you can't move anymore. It, 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 you have to remember that your joy is coming. You have to understand and expect and trust God enough that my peace and my joy is coming. Why is it coming? Why do I know that security is there? Why do I realize like, because your word says if I draw near to you, you will draw near to me. So no matter how chained up I am, no matter how far in the inner prison I am, no matter how much torment is going on in my mind, I must believe my peace and my joy and my relief Release is coming. You must believe it. And you must trust it with all of your heart. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were communicating to God. They were making their requests known to God. And what else were they doing? And singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So this didn't just happen at midnight. They started this thing as soon as they started getting beat. While they were getting beat, they were praising God. While they were getting chained, they were praising God. While they were walking into the inner prison, they were praising God. While they were locked up in the inner prison, sometimes your mind feels tormented. Sometimes you feel like you're going through so much. Sometimes you feel like you can't overcome your addictions. But I'm telling you the truth is that while you're going through this turmoil, keep praying and talking to God. Keep communicating to God. Keep singing to God. This didn't just happen at midnight. They were doing this thing all along. But at midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Do you not know people are listening to you? People are looking at your life, and they're listening to you. They're hearing you. They're knowing. They're hearing you, and they're, and they're, and they're seeing your lifestyle, and they're seeing, are you still praising God? Are you still holding on? Are you still? Yes, I'm still worshiping. The other prisoners are wondering why. Why are they singing? We are locked up in the inner prison. We can't get out of here. We might be facing death soon. Why are you singing and praising? They were hearing something. They were hearing them worship God. They were saying, they were thinking in their mind, I want to be a part of that. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose and the keeper of the prison awakened from his sleep and seeing the prisoner's doors open. Now all of a sudden, while they were praising God, the chains began to fall off. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. You want to grow your anointing. As you increase the anointing through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, as you begin to worship God through the midst of your storms, your chains, and your jail, the inner mind, the tormenting will begin to cease, will begin to stop. Why? Because you do not quit praising God in the midst of all your circumstances. Keep praising him and watch the chains begin to fall off. It don't matter how far and deep you are in your inner prison. It don't matter how far it is because God can shake the foundation underneath the situation that you're in he can shake the foundation he can bring the buildings down he can move the mountains he can change the valley he can do it all so it don't matter how deep you think you are and how far gone you may think you are keep coming to Jesus because he can make a way out of no way keep coming to him keep seeking his face because the chains will be loose 
And the keeper of the prison awoke, and he was angry, and he, and he didn't know what was going on. Suppose the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. Now I want you to understand something. Satan is still working. While you're praising God, and you're worshiping, and you're getting out of your situation, and you're thanks to God, and your chains are falling off, people around you are still suffering. People around you are still dying. They didn't just didn't worry about themselves. They saw this man who was getting ready to kill himself. I'm going to tell you something. Keep your mind open to the faces of people that's around you. Sometimes you can, you can see suicide on their face. I was at work a long time ago, a couple years back, and I saw this man. He was walking, and I could see. I didn't know what the spirit was at the time. I didn't really understood, but I, I saw something on him. And to this day, I said, God, forgive me. And I saw him, and I saw him, and I was like, man, something ain't right about this brother. It just every day he was coming to work, I could see something on his face. And then I got up, then, then one day I came to work, and they said, so-and-so committed suicide. I said, who? It was the man that I saw it on his, I saw something on his face. And so every time I see the suicide on somebody's face, or I see something on my face, I said, it was a brother at, at work again. I saw, I saw the same face. It was the same exact face. And I looked at that brother, and I said, Man, you all right. You're doing good, man. Stay encouraged, man. Smile, man. You all right. And I just began to encourage him. I said, man, God loves you, man. You good. You all right. And then, then he started coming to work the next day with a smile on his face, you know, making it through his situation, doing all right. And I still throw out encouraging words. Man, you good. Man, you're going to handle this. You're going to be all right. The pressure was on him, on the job. And I could see it on his face like he wanted to clock out. They were mindful that Satan was still at work. And when they saw him draw his sword, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. We are still here. They still cared about the work of Jesus Christ. Once you get free, you got to still looking for others to get free. While you getting free, you need to look for yourself and catch them on the bad wagon. So you want to get free? Come on with me. I'm going to show you. This thing is not just for yourself. Amen. And then it goes on to say, and we're closing, and when I'm getting ready to close, he said, then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. People are going to be looking at your life, looking at your situation. He saw, do you not know the prisoner heard them singing too? The prisoner heard them singing and singing hymns and praising God all this time. The prisoner knew what they were doing and praising God. People are knowing what you're going to be doing. People know your life. People know your lifestyle. And so when I spoke to that young man, when I spoke, it wasn't just Jerry speaking. The Holy Spirit was speaking. And the Holy Spirit was rebuking that demon that was trying to take him out. And so when they were praising and worshiping God, when they said, hold your peace, brother, we're still here, he came running to them because these wasn't just no normal men. They, he heard the Holy Spirit speaking through these men, and he came running towards the word of the Holy Spirit, and he said, what must I do to be saved? I want to be set free. I want to be set free spiritually. I want to be set free mentally all over. Amen? And he said, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. And you and your household will be saved. Not only you. Not only you.
but your household. What Paul and Silas did, they kept growing the anointing. They kept, they kept calling on the presence of God to come near. And even though their environment looked crazy, it looked anneal, it looked like there was no hope, it looked like all hope was gone, it looked like there was no chance of changing, no chance of deliverance, they kept praising God in the midst. And because they kept praising God in the midst, God kept getting closer and closer and closer. And as God got closer, his presence came upon that jail and he shook the chains off of the people. I'm telling you the truth. As you praise God, he will get closer and closer and closer and those chains will begin to fall. People will see your life and they're going to want to know who do you belong to. Let us stand today.